everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. First and foremost, Happy New Year. I hope you all had a safe, happy new year. Spend some time with family, quiet, and just take it easy. I mean, that's how mine was. I am back with another episode of the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, joined by another very special guest. I'm joined by Jackie the Jet Lee. Now, normally I'll do a little bit more of an introduction uh, just about the podcast, this and that, but uh, me and Jackie had a great chat. It clocks in at over an hour, so instead of uh, previewing what's coming up and what to expect, we're going to jump right to the interview. Join me on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, Jackie the Jet Lee. Now, I know when I was younger, I had gone to the odd, you know, local Winnipeg show. And back in 2016, I was lucky enough to go to a PCW show. The reason why I think a lot of Winnipegers at the time kind of got back into wrestling, Kenny Omega being from Winnipeg was a big thing. And he was at the show. But one thing that stood out to me was the main event. And the main event was Jackie Lee versus Scott Justice. And that was a match that always stuck out to me. Jackie, you're joining me today. And I'm very stoked to talk wrestling with you. Really happy to be here. <laughs> so let's let's go from the very beginning. Your introduction into wrestling. How did that all develop? Oh, gosh. I, I fell in love with it as a kid. I like mm-hmm. to say that it was like my first love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know the exact time and moment, but um, my uncle that was only like four years older than me introduced me like WWF video games on the N64 yeah. and it just fell in love with it after that. And mm-hmm. I wasn't really allowed to watch it until I was um, like 12 or 13 or something like that here. And after that, I just, I watched weekly and I got really into it, fell mm-hmm. in love with it. Yeah. Were there any wrestlers that stood out to you at that younger, young of an age? Oh, everyone. I used to think wrestling, like everyone was like the coolest thing in the world. I didn't care mm-hmm. about celebrities that much outside of like, you know, like Jackie Chan or something, but mm-hmm. like every wrestler was super cool, but any that stood out, like I loved RVD when I was younger. He was, mm-hmm. he was badass. And uh, Chris Jericho, of course, being from Winnipeg was like huge inspiration. Uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, Kurt Angle, when he started breaking in whole oh, man, he was mm-hmm. so good. Uh, those early days was mostly those guys. And I mean, you named a few wrestlers there, you know, the Rob Van Dam, the Kurt Angle, they almost brought something different when they were first introduced to the wider audiences, something that a lot of wrestling fans didn't really see at that point. No, uh, I remember seeing RVD the first time and he's doing like the rolling thunder and the, the, what do you call that? That spiral leg drop to the barricade and these like Mm -hmm. unorthodox moves. And I was like, whoa. I like that, you know, with my toys, I'd be like smashing people outside the ring, (laughs) Uh, my fake ring that I don't have. (laughs) Yeah. Well, at what point growing up, were you like, this is what I want to do? I want to say like right away, but there was a lot of resistance. Obviously Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm Asian, I'm Chinese. Um, There, there was no path to be a pro wrestler back then. It Mm -hmm. was like being a magician. Like you didn't really know. No one really told you. And on top of that, my parents were like, they're pretty stereotyped in the sense of expectations. Mm-hmm. And uh, we could get into that if you want later. <laughs> but like, um, 
I don't know. I feel like right away I knew it was something I wanted to do, and I'd I'd do it at school with my friends uh, until they grew out of it. I'd make new friends, kind of, or try to, and get them into wrestling and try to wrestle them at the YMCA when I was younger. And uh, I I just felt like there was something I could do. I never really felt like there was anything else that came naturally to me except for that. So mm. um, I just always believed that that's what I want to do, and I best try to do it if I can. Mm-hmm. Now, when you decided to make that, you know, you were going to get into it, going to start training. Did you feel, I mean, coming from your background, your family, did you get that support from family? Were they behind you with it or was it Uh, kind (laughs) of iffy? Uh, Absolutely not. (laughs) It was definitely (laughs) iffy. There was, there was um, zero support to say the least. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not something um, that they thought was legit and they were hoping like it was a phase and, uh, they didn't really understand the depth of how much I fell in love with it. They're just like, Oh, he's a boy. He's a young boy. He likes action and fighting and these big muscular dudes on TV, whatever. And it was deeper than that. And with a language barrier to some degree and different, um, different generations and standards in our culture, uh, it was not something that was easily communicated. So there was not much support there. Mm -hmm. Now, you, when you did get into training, I mean, you were trained by Lance Storm, correct? Yeah. You were really like, you were there kind of before Storm Wrestling Academy seemed to really take off. It seemed, it seemed more the past five, six years. It had been more of a, you hear more about it. So you were almost in like that first wave back then. What was your overall experience getting into it? It's been around 10 years now. So I guess so. Um, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Certainly for education standpoint, um, it was a dream come true legit. And it felt really surreal because if I get back to where it started, um, uh, I mean, if you don't mind to tell a little story here. By all means. Uh, so back when I used to wrestle at the YMCA, I'd grab those little gym mats and get my buddies to come. My buddies had like two friends, get one on the camera and one to beat up. Basically, I write these matches out and uh, have ideas every weekend. My parents drop us off at the YMCA for like 10 hours because <laughs> they had to go to work. And uh, yeah, I put these matches on. And one day, the, one of the workers there, massive dude, six foot six, uh, came up to us. is like, dude, you can't wrestle here. You can't do that. It's not allowed. And I looked at him and I said, you look like Chris Saban, but like a lot bigger. And he looked at me and smirked and said, oh, that's funny. I just wrestled him a few months ago. And I was like, wait, what? Excuse (laughs) me, sir? And um, that guy turned out to be the outlaw Adam Knight Mm -hmm. who worked at the YMCA back then. And um, after that moment, I I pestered him every time I saw him there. I was like, dude, how do I do it? How, like, can I see your shows? And he'd be like, no, no kid, not to 18. I only do 18 plus stuff type of deal. Mm -hmm. And um, after that, I was just like, so tell me how to do it there. I see that there's training places in Winnipeg, sort of, kind of, but not really. And he was like, talk to me when you're 18. If you still want to do this when you're 18, talk to me. Mm-hmm. And I was probably like 15 or something. And I was like, all right, well, I'll take you up on that. And when I turned 18, well, behold, I was still in the wrestling. <laughs> uh, I sent him a little message and he was like, I think he was surprised that I was still interested. Mm-hmm. And he, all he did was like, there's only one real choice, man. Storm Wrestling Academy, talked to this kid named Scott, uh, who was a graduate and he did really good things. I was like, all right, that sounds good. I messaged Scott and Scott's like, 
here's how it went for me because he came from Australia. He knew how it felt to like be in a foreign place. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point, uh, I basically followed the footsteps and um, I started saving up money because it was expensive mm-hmm. and I didn't have a whole lot to go off of. And my parents wanted me to go to like university at that point and, you know, get a real cozy career type of deal. And the only thing on my mind was I want to be a pro wrestler. That's all mm-hmm. I know. That's all I've done. And that's all I want to be. So um, yeah, I just saved up money. Uh, it took me like a year or so and I saved up a few grand and I bought a ticket. I, I, um, I got accepted after sending an email, which was, I was worried that I wouldn't get accepted. I'm like, man, I'm <laughs> tiny compared to wrestlers back then. I'm, <laughs> I'm not six feet tall. I'm not 200 pounds, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was, it was an uphill struggle because um, I also have like a medical condition of like just genetically high cholesterol, which mm-hmm. It's something I could handle with fitness and stuff, but basically every doctor I went to was like, we can't give you the note to say that you're able to do strenuous activity, which I need to get into storm training. Uh, so I had to like lie to a walk-in doctor <laughs> for a hundred bucks. Basically he's like, <laughs> I'll give you the ticket. And I'm like, I won't tell you who it was, but uh, <laughs> then I got in and um, yeah, my parents didn't believe me at first. I was like, Hey, so in like five months, I'm going to Calgary, I'm going to move there <laughs> and uh, do this wrestling school. And they're like, ah, okay, cool. Uh, and then it was like the last month leading up to it. I'm like, so like you guys good, right? Cause like I work like every day here, <laughs> you're going to need to fill somebody. And they're like, oh, you're really going. I'm like, yeah, I bought the ticket, you know, 300 bucks or whatever for the flight alone. That's a lot of money. That's, mm-hmm. that's like everything to me. So yeah, I flew out there and, um, didn't look back since it was like so cool. Like I remember being in the airport and looking around for Lance who was going to pick me up and I, I thought I saw him, but I don't think he recognized me. Cause he's like, you, when you see him on TV, he's the badass, mm-hmm. you know, WCW Canadian champion uh, in person. He's wearing glasses and like with his daughter and, you know, he's looking real chill. Uh, but yeah, he picked me up, dropped me off at his, his little house place. And, um, yeah, the rest is history. Everyone that I've talked to that has had experiences with Lance has has done nothing but rave about the the training, the treatment, everything to do with Storm Wrestling Academy. I assume that it was the exact same for you. Oh yeah, he he was not only informative, but he really seemed to care about everyone there. And uh, I I always thought like, wow, you meet so many people, not only from training like every year you have three sets of students of like tens or fifteens or whatever you got to remember all them and all the people you've met wrestling and like some fans and family and real life um it it blew me away how much he cared still and he tried to get to know us and he warned us of things like don't do drugs try not to get into some of the bad aspects of pro wrestling and he had like this list of over a hundred guys that he knew that died from like steroid abuse and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And he, he literally just sit us down and be like, try not to follow this path. Like I've shed too many tears to this. And I could just tell how much he cared and how much he loved, like what he did. It almost, it, it means a lot to you. I, not that I'm going to speak for you, but I, I know as a person, like when someone shows that much, uh, caring and empathy that, you know, like, okay, you're in a different province. You're with people that you're just meeting for the first time and you have someone like that looking over you and watching out for you. That really, it really says something. 
Yeah, for sure. And at that point, you know, I admired him so much leading up. Obviously, when I signed up, I watched as much Lance Storm tape as I could because mm -hmm. I knew he's this guy's training me. Let's see what he can do. So at that point, I'm like, there's a lot to learn from this guy. He's really smooth. He's worked with a lot of great people. And when I'm there, I'm like, I'm literally standing next to a guy that can do all the things that I wish I can do in that ring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was just like this aura of respect. Um, and he didn't disappoint. There was nothing no bad experience with Lance. Was there any advice or, you know, something that he had passed on to you that you still hold on to today? So much just from being in class, uh, it'd be hard to just pick one there, but, um, Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> one. <laughs> just, just overall. Um, I would probably put the ring stuff first because he was such a technician in the ring he is really good at the fundamentals and the little things and he taught me and i'm sure everyone else in my class and all his students how to do things safely and why to do them and i think that overall has expanded to every aspect of my life when i look at anything else i do um like how to do it properly with the fundamentals. Don't worry about all the crazy statistics and uh, what people think online and trying to showboat and stuff. Like if you got the fundamentals down, you couldn't do anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, do you still, were you still able to keep in touch with people that you were in class with to this day or how did that go about? Not as much as I'd back. like to. Yeah, yeah um, I did at first. Um, one of the guys there, he, he drove from like Pennsylvania and uh, he was the youngest too. He was fresh 18 mm -hmm. and on his way back home after he drove back to Winnipeg cause I flew home and uh, he stayed over at my place for a night and uh, we had some good bonding times then, but unfortunately didn't really keep in touch. He did some cool stuff at CZW, I think for a while okay. in ring of honor, but then um, we stopped talking. I think he's doing his own thing now. And uh, there's a few guys I was keeping up with, uh, but I don't think any of them outside of one guy in New Zealand, Troy, who's, who's killing it there. Um, nobody else I think is really wrestling. So um, overall, everyone's leading their own lives. So unfortunately yeah. haven't kept up with them as much as I'd like. For sure. So you're out there, you're training, you come back to Manitoba. How long afterwards before, how long after training until you had your first match? I think uh, I had my first match August 2011, 10 years ago. Um, when I finished training, I did, I think I finished around July. So okay. about a month after. Um, I remember coming back and I, I went to a show to watch and kind of network a bit. And they were like, I was so nervous of like, how does this work? Like, I didn't feel prepared enough. Um, <laughs> and it was a different thing from him going, teaching you like indie wrestling and WWE style and uh, what to expect there to like, I'm going to Winnipeg and uh, wrestling for these small bar shows and like yeah. Ellis theater and stuff like that. I didn't know how to present myself properly there. I think no matter what, when you're putting yourself out there, almost like in an unfamiliar situation, it can be a little nerve wracking. I know 
when I reach out to guests, like even when I sent you a message to join me, I'm like, I'm nervous typing the message. I was like, oh, well, oh. what if he doesn't read it? What if he doesn't, you know, just oh, oh. No, screw this, you know? I so did take long. Fun. I apologize for that. I did not see it for a while. <laughs> it's all good, but it's always, you know, just getting into a comfort zone in a new situation like that. Oh, it's good to know that you're a little nervous. That's that's good. <laughs> I'm anytime I send out a message to someone asking, I am like nerves, uh, just a ball of nerves. I don't know why, but it, it's just one of those. Oh, things. That means you care. Yeah, I try to. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, do you remember your first match? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I used to have a really good memory of. I remember like everything I did in the match, like months later still, but not so much now. <laughs> As you get older, I guess. But um, I, I do remember. I was super nervous and um i didn't know anybody but scott really at the show mm -hmm. and at that point i didn't really know him i just we talked a little bit so i showed up and i've only met him once and uh, I'm, I'm shaking everybody's hand like you're supposed to and i hear that scott's having a bad day and you know, apparently he has like an australian temper and at this point i barely know the guy so I was like, uh-oh, what does that mean? And everybody there decides to rib me. And they were like, oh, Scott's pissed. You know, he's, oh, it sucks to be you, man, when he's pissed off. And I'm like, this is my first match, my first show. I was so worried <laughs> and nervous. And uh, he was super kind, but he's, I think he was annoyed by something about Ring Crew that day. Um, but I remember the, the match. Um, I didn't have any proper gear, so I used Jay Walker's uh, biker tights, mm -hmm. these blue tights that look pretty cool, actually. And some runners and stuff. And I remember how surreal it was to this day. It's a special moment in my heart because like I debuted in like a stable with Kenny Omega that day. It was like, I think he announced that he had a guy coming in to face Scott cause they're in doing a little feud here. Mm -hmm. And at that point I was like, not like a closet Kenny Omega fan. I was just a big Kenny Omega fan. I don't think he knew though. Like before I got into wrestling, I was, watching this dude do Hadoukens on YouTube was like the coolest thing to me ever. And the fact that he was like debuting me, I was like, whoa, this is a big deal to me. <laughs> I was like so honored. And uh, he debuted me as like a foreign guy, foreign Japanese person. <laughs> so I came out to like saying fake, fake Asian words, I guess, which mm -hmm. was cool. And um, the match was prototype at that point I was so fresh off storm training that I knew how to do a I'd like to think like a solid match mm -hmm. and Scott at that point has been wrestling for a few years and he had the same training so we were able to put together something I was comfortable with but adapt to the things that he had learned on the road yeah and it was a good match from what I recall and I remember getting a lot of positive feedback from guys even Adam Knight that day I think he came up to me and said that was like the best first match he ever saw at that point and that meant so much to me mm -hmm. and uh our photographer there Jordan um he thought I was legit a foreign Japanese person that day so um it was a fun day so I remember that day very well you mentioned Adam Knight and how he was you know the one from the Y did he remember you at the show as well Oh yeah. At that point we sort of kind of kept in touch and I think okay. he was excited to see how much I've grown from being a little um, delinquent at the YMCA, <laughs> I guess, and to um, uh, a more mature delinquent in my younger years. <laughs> so, I mean, you had mentioned your relationship with Kenny, how he had sort of brought you in storyline wise. I know you had faced off with him a few times in the ring as well. 
Uh, I'd watched one of the matches on YouTube the other day. Um, What was it like sharing the ring with someone who, you know, you were a fan of before you stepped foot in and then now you're facing off with them? Oh, before I ask that, I could ask which match? I'm just curious. Uh, It was from the Premier Cup. Oh, Premier Cup. Mm. Yes. Young Jackie, one versus one. Nice. So it was, uh, you know, there was some uh commentary added in afterwards that was a little slightly off but it was still a very uh, entertaining match i think that was like yeah post-production for like a shaw thing right yeah 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 okay sorry what was the question again sorry um just what it was like you know you're a, a fan of this guy and then now he's introduced you you share the ring with him just your overall sort of feelings and experiences amazing honestly that's probably like one of the biggest highlights for me, like he's a guy I admired so much before I got into wrestling. And the fact that he went on to do so much more was really inspiring in and out of the ring. He was just an amazing person to me. He was always super nice and he wouldn't, he wouldn't uh, tippy toe around things. He'd tell it like it was to me. And like, he was never mean, never offensive. He was just, like, you know, when you meet a celebrity or the, someone you admire, like there's always that chance they let you down. Yeah. Uh, he was the opposite of that. It was like, it was cool. And I also, as as individual person, I'm the type of person that kind of absorbs people around me. And like, you know, you hear that saying of like, you're the sum of the people you're surrounded by mm-hmm. and stuff like that. At that moment, the fact that uh, I met this guy uh, that I admired and I was kind of working with him helped me grow in a like it was like downloading the expansion pack early before i reached the max level it was Mm -hmm. like kenny showed me like how good i wasn't but how good i could be Mm -hmm. that's kind of what he showed me like the potential because he thought outside the box which i think i do as well uh, in different ways and he wasn't like this is the only way to think outside the box he was just like this is the world we live in. And he didn't like, he wasn't so obsessed with just professional wrestling. I think he was, his mind was so open to everything else and he brought everything in properly that like as a mentor, it helped expand my mind and see wrestling for way more than it was at that time and what it shaped up to be now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I thought you were- oh no, just like, uh, <laughs> just, it, it was just like really cool. Cause like, yeah, um, from that point, I, I was able to tag with him, tag against him. And my first year and two, we did a lot of like tag team, triple threat type of crazy matches like that. And mm-hmm. th- that was like my version of being thrown in the deep end. At that point, I was confident doing singles because I was kind of taught that. And tag matches, I kind of sort of was picking up. But it was like uh, from that to working with Kenny was like, all right, Kenny literally planned everything and he note all the small details and like what reaction he was expecting out of those. And then you throw in like three teams. I was so scared at that point. Like, mm-hmm. wow, how do I remember all these? And how do I step up? Because these guys are like, at that point, it was like Mike Angels, Chad Tatum and stuff like these guys were like, I feel like they were firing on all cylinders at that time that I started. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just a young kid with storm training. So <laughs> I felt like, oh man, I better step up. And I think it was a blessing in disguise throwing me in the deep end there and showing me how a guy at that caliber works and 
what goes into putting together what could be a masterpiece in the ring. Mm, definitely. You predominantly wrestled for PCW. I know you had, you know, a few spots elsewhere. What was it like being a part of the PCW family? Really cool. Um, I, I feel like there was a, like a changing of the guard around the time I started because it was like the inception of CWE around that time. So um, PCW was starting to shape into what it would become its own identity at that time, because a lot of people were kind of on their way out or in between. And most people uh, welcomed me with pretty open arms. And um, there was a lot of guys at that time that were starting as well for PCW, like Leo, as you mentioned, mm. uh, and those uh, James Beaver at that time was starting for PCW. So we were able to form this bond of like, how do we, how do we all work together to put on a nice show? How do we push each other? Mm-hmm. More of a working together than against each other. You all have the same goal of putting on the best uh, performance, best event that you can, instead of you know trying to one up the person next to you. You know. Yeah, I, I'd like to say we did. I think it was, there was still some of that other mentality at that point, but between our crew of guys, we used to call each other the crew, I guess. Um, we, we had the mentality of pushing each other. Um, but it was like a healthy one up. It was like, mm-hmm. all right, let's try to put on the best match we can with whoever we're working with, no matter what. Mm-hmm. More instead of, you know, just going through the motions or just looking out for yourself. Or- yeah, there was definitely not, none of that at that point. We're always super excited and enthusiastic for like what we're going to try in this next match. Because at that point, I was getting a lot of reps in facing like Leo and Scott and stuff like that. And uh, we, I think we prided ourselves on not doing the same thing ever. Mm-hmm. We could. It's something that I know I predominantly went to PCW shows, you know, location and just the overall vibe was something I really liked. So you see everyone out there and it really has that sort of family sort of mindset that it comes across. So were you not a heckler, by the way? Were you not? No, I was good. I was good. Yeah, you're one of the good guys. (laughs) (laughs) uh, That's one thing that, you know, like you can get the odds, you know, like the booing or the, you know, such and such. But I think that you have to know wrestling is for everyone. So you go to a show, you don't be an idiot and yell stupid stuff or whatever, because I know that does happen from time (laughs) to time. Oh, time to time. I think every time, but (laughs) yeah, I I do think as a whole, people are starting to be more aware and making sure that everyone is comfortable in that situation. At least I hope that's the case. I think so. Yeah. I think also the pandemic because of um, the lack of shows at that point with crowds, Mm -hmm. people were like, Oh, we should really appreciate this more. Mm-hmm. Though I think you start to see it a little more again, where people are going regularly that they're like, "Hey, let's chant dumb stuff again." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. I think it's one of those things that it's going to take, you know, sort of calling out and all that sort of stuff. Like if you hear it, you know, call the person out because if I go to a show, I don't need to hear, you know, be, uh, remarks that you know I wouldn't. I don't feel comfortable, you know. Myself. that's a tough that's a tough thing to put on yourself that was a fan right like to call somebody out because you're in an environment that you're not comfortable with to begin with mm-hmm. and uh usually you're outnumbered right the people that are allowed and uh usually are in a group and mm-hmm. sometimes drunk and by, yeah. probably mostly drunk so you don't want to like you don't want to start anything you know yeah you're there to enjoy some entertainment mm-hmm. so it's a more of a, a as time. a whole you know 
writing the guard in that situation. So well, I appreciate you if you're if you're one to like stand up and even <laughs> even uh, not join into some of that madness sometimes. Yeah, it's it can be a little much, I think. But with that said, I mean, you're putting yourself out there. Obviously, you do hear negative things. How does that affect your mental health? That um it, it obviously has an effect. I think on most performers, if not mm-hmm. all, it has an effect. But for me personally, at that time, um, it was very difficult because uh, everybody needs uh, pillars of support. They need uh, people that believe in them and and some type of uh, feedback, positive feedback to mm-hmm. some degree. And at that, for me personally, um, I... I was born in Canada, but my parents are, they're not just like immigrants, they're refugees. So mm-hmm. the standard of the way I was growing up was very different from everybody around me. I don't think anyone was like me in the locker room that, or even the fans especially, understood where I came from and I was never really vocal about it. So sometimes the negativity and some of the heckling and stuff really got to me because I didn't fully understand how to put those walls up and not let it get to me. because. For me, um, I didn't get that support with my family, right? Like, um, I didn't talk about wrestling around my family because they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to watch anything I did. They didn't want to know. So I was living like the double life. I was the Clark Kent thing. And then in wrestling, it was like, it's my sanctuary. This is my home where I feel comfortable. This is where I have the brothers and sisters around me and the fans that appreciate what we do. But it wasn't always the case, right? Sometimes they feel like they don't appreciate and they want to just... Um, they don't realize some of the things they say behind your back, but are not so much behind your back, right? Um, so uh, a lot of that affected me negatively, but um, I was just, I think I was living in the fast end then because I was working way more shows. So I try to like bury it a bit. And um, there was also probably some negativity among wrestlers at that point, maybe not only in PCW. So um, mm-hmm. having like the, some of the negativity come from the fans was, is really hard because, um, yeah, it was like, it felt like I gave everything in wrestling to, to everything there. And um, it wasn't like I can go home and be like, like these guys said some stuff and it hurt my feelings or whatever. It wasn't like that. It was like, okay, I just have to bury it and uh, mm-hmm. deal with it. Um, yeah. Well, it's almost like you can have, you know, say, you know, 30 people all giving you uh, praise and words of like good job and that. And then it's the one person who might say something and that's the yeah. one that kind of sticks, even though all unfortunately like that yeah. usually the ones that are toxic or negative are a lot louder for me personally. I, that's one thing that's weird looking back is um, I've always felt more negativity than positivity. Maybe the fans of mine, uh, are not as vocal about being fans of mine. I, I get it very rarely, actually, where I get like a message or a comment where someone's like, wow, I saw this match of yours, or I watched X, Y, Z, and uh, really love the stuff you've done. And uh, it's, it's actually pretty rare, I feel like, uh, but I've heard negatively much more. Like um, back when I used to use Facebook, um, people would like tag me in comments, like saying rumors and negative stuff about me that wasn't true and I knew at that point it wouldn't help me to like respond to them but hearing Mm -hmm. about that and people believe in it like 
I'll have other wrestlers come up to me and say, like, I heard this about you. Is that true? I'm like, who said that? Like, these guys don't even know me. And, uh, and then fans will say that believe that because they heard it from someone they respect. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's really weird. Yeah. It's uh, one of those things that I don't think I'll ever fully understand. I mean, I, it's gotta be tough as it is, you know, when you, you're putting yourself out on that platform, I mean, you're doing something you love, but then to have all these eyes watching you and having access to you, you know, online, whether it's Facebook or Twitter and all of that stuff, it's gotta be a different feeling. Yeah, certainly. But uh, there's a a few things I want to talk to you wrestling related, because I mean, you were part of one of, you know, in my mind, you know, it was a very influential, influential stable in PCW, especially from why I came in was you were part of the gentlemen's club. Oh, okay. And I I mean, I've I've been fortunate enough to talk to Leo and David about it. I wanted to get your, you know, how it all came to be from your eyes. Cool. I, I actually have no idea what they've said about it at this point. <laughs> so it'd be interesting. Um, I was obviously one of the late guys joining that group, but um, I remember when they started it, uh, they had a lot of different ideas at that point and uh, they had like, Scorpio involved. And then the last iteration before it kind of broke up was with me and Chris or, or Alex Vana. Mm-hmm. Um, but from when I started, um, at that point, I was I was really burnt up from wrestling. I think the negativity really got to me at that point. And I was being identified as like this wrestler. Uh, and I felt like I had a lot more to do and offer. And it was, it was putting me in a box a bit. So at that point, I wanted to take a break. Mm-hmm. And I let uh, the people know in PCW um, early one of the years and I remember right off the top of my head and I said I I need to step away for a bit and at that point I was the champion and we agreed that I'd stay along till the end of the year still and this was around January so it was a long time to go um but um at that point I was just like all right that's at least I know the end date and like I'll be able to to leave with this place better than when it started that was my goal I didn't want to just bail on everybody or anything like that I wanted to I wanted to leave it PCW at a place where they're really good. So anytime I come back, like, you know, the show just keeps getting better. Mm-hmm. And um, so at that point, I mentioned that to, to the PCW uh, people in charge. And um, they were like, okay, what would you want to do? They're really open and cool about it. And I was like, I would like to turn heel. <laughs> I was kind of like, I'm, I'm tired of it. Like, I'm tired of being that happy good guy in the ring where they're chanting literally stuff like suck his dick when I'm in matches, which have Mm -hmm. nothing to do with what I'm doing. I'm like, I'm tired of it. Like I'm tired of smiling to that and like telling them, yeah, let's go. I just, I don't give a F. So why can't my character be that way? So like, all right, let's do it. And uh, at that point, we'd always joked about being in like a stable together because we had really good rapport, like Leo, David and I. So it was like a perfect fit. Um, And I think we all just kind of band together and mentioned it to Andrew, like, Hey, let's gentlemen's club. How does you feel? Um, and, uh, from what I remember, he loved it. So the plan was like, um, I do like one final baby face like show. And I think Scorpio was like about to turn on them and do this, his big baby face run. And instead I show up to like, as I'm his backup, cause I'm the baby face champ. And, 
Instead, I turn on Scorpio and I beat him down with the rest of the gentlemen's club. And it was a big deal because um, at that point, I'm kind of like a solo act. I'm kind of like the lone wolf bad boy that once, like I finished my own fights. Mm -hmm. I've never needed backup. And now I'm going to be like a bit of a, a bit of a coward, I guess. <laughs> well, it, it really allows you to do something different and really just tap into like another side creative, creatively, creative wise. Yeah, I think because of how mentally I was at at that point, it was like wrestling at that point leading up to it was always my my escape, my haven. And it became like I had to put a face again because I had to watch what I said in the locker room because some guys didn't like me probably. Uh, and when I'm in the ring, it wasn't escape anymore because I have to smile to these people that are that maybe not as grateful. And um, and then turning heel was like, all right, let's take some of the, the chains off and uh, kind of just say whatever I want to say and do whatever I want to do. You, you've mentioned your uh, wrestling against uh, Scott Justice. Um, to me, I go back and I was reading up on, you know, some of your matches and the amount of time you two have faced off together. And I think that it's almost, uh, it's a shame that the feud between you two doesn't get as much recognition as it does because you guys went back and forth for many years and seem to have some incredible matches together. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, I, I like to think so too. I think we were lucky enough to have good chemistry and we both believe that iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. um, we did hear a lot of negative feedback at that time of guys were upset that we'd always wrestle each other. Like, yo, you won't get better in this. And, but I felt like every time we wrestled, we got a lot better somehow. Mm -hmm. It was, I, I compare it to kind of like Charlotte versus Sasha at that time, you know, like, mm -hmm those two face each other a bunch of times, but they kept getting better and growing because like they clashed well. So Scott and I kind of had that chemistry and we'd push each other. But as you mentioned, uh, a lot of the negative voices at that time were like, you guys keep working each other. We don't care. And even between the boys in the back, some I'd hear a lot say that. And it was, I think one of those instances that maybe a lot of people didn't appreciate it when it was there because mm -hmm. they don't realize right now that's never happening again. <laughs> and at the at some point it was a finite feud and it's just not going to happen anymore so we kind of were lucky to have some really nice blow-up matches for for the grand prize of pcw at that time and rcw and i really love that feud with scott mm -hmm. you are one of the few people to be a dual singles champ in pcw i was looking back and that's that that true it is true uh, I don't know if there's anyone else, but I know, I think you were one of the only ones to hold the uh, mm. heavyweight and the Canadian championship at the same time, if I'm not mistaken. I did do that. I, I also yeah. held the NXW title with the PCW, but okay. that brand is a little not as regular. So We've uh, uh, we've cool. briefly talked NXW on the show, but... Uh, <laughs> it doesn't exist. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've joked that one day I just want to have like a round table of everyone involved and just to share stories about it just nxw and <laughs> pro wrestling nor that existed like once um that's cool that's a cool statistic um i remember at that time i felt like really proud of that because mm -hmm. I, I yeah just the fact that i'm um i'm someone that they believe should be the face of the show and hold both the, the main titles and have the audience believe that mm -hmm. and and like any pressure they believe that i've delivered um it was 
I feel very grateful for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you held the PCW championship for quite a while. You, you and Scorpio had a match and he ended up defeating you. What was it like when that time finally comes and you end up dropping to him? So if I go back a little bit, we, we did the gentleman's club and mm-hmm. um, the unfortunate thing about that time frame was um, we did the heel turn, but I broke my ankle that same night. Mm-hmm. And that was what made it difficult because I remember I wrestled um, Jay Walker early in the night and um, something felt off after, um, after the match. And I was like, I can't put weight on my foot. I can't walk really. And I was icing it in the back and Andrew's like, well, you got to be ready for the main event, um, the run out. And I was like, I'll make it work. Right. But by the time there was main event time, it was like a golf ball was on my ankle already. And mm-hmm. it was just purple. And I was like, Oh God, this is going to suck. So we managed to pull it off still and take a bunch of like promo picks and stuff like that at that time. But I remember just standing there like, this sucks. I can't, I can't put weight. I'm like literally one foot on the ground right now. And we just did it. And um, unfortunately the next day I went to the hospital and they're like, Oh yeah, you broke your ankle and you'll be in this cast for months. And I'm like, I just turned and I, I feel really bad during that time. I don't know how much I've told the boys this, but I felt so bad that I wasn't able to live up to my expectation at least for what the gentleman's club could have been at that time because of that accident. Um, so after that, it was my most like promos. We had a lot of good times though. Like I was mm-hmm. being wheeled out in wheelchairs for some shows and getting beat up and in crutches. But I, I think our vision leading up to it, just, it couldn't happen because of that. And at that point I was still really burnt out from wrestling and I just needed a break from being around the, that type of environment but I was still in it because of that. And now I felt vulnerable because I'm literally in a cast being around all these people uh, that are killing it. Uh, So leading up to the Scorpio match, um, I was like, well, Andrew, don't you think you should just vacate the title off me? And then here, I'll just have my break right now, right? You'd think that'd be the ideal, but he was Mm -hmm. like, no man, you're a heater now. Like (laughs) they hate you because of it. And you got to be like Bret Hart would come out with the jean shorts and in the cast, I'm like... (laughs) classic wrestling i'm like all right you know i'm i'm not one to shy away from um delivering if i can if people have some expectations i don't want to be that guy to be like Mm -hmm. oh no um so i stuck around to do it and i rehabbed busted my ass i kept working out during that time and the cast came off i strengthened my ankle led up to the the match with scorpio and from what i recall pretty solid match and Mm -hmm. to me i thought that was gonna be my last match like at least for a long, long time, I was like, I was ready to take my break. And it was like the story finally built perfectly there. Gentlemen's club storyline and uh, me and Scorpio storyline. Cause my mm-hmm. first title win was against him where we had like a best of five. And now it was the inverse. I was the, I was the D bag heel and he was the fired up baby face with uh, yeah, just a new environment. So it was really cool to, to do that one with him and see the crowd actually really into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, after I dropped that title from that day, I felt more relieved than anything else because like the shoulder, the, the weight of the, my shoulders were kind of off because yeah. I think for me, I put way too much pressure on myself more than I need to. And if um, bookers and stuff put extra on me, it becomes like, 
maybe too much because that's just my personality i'll like that's just who i am that's the mm -hmm. type of person i am so with all the pressure on me even when i'm not wrestling and i'm the champion i realize i feel like i have to be a certain way online i feel like uh, there's only so much i can talk about and um i just feel that responsibility of being the right role model in that position yeah. and uh when it came off, I was like, oh, the leashes are free. I feel like I can kind of not worry so much about being in that limelight. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you mentioned, you know, the whole role model thing. And when I was kind of just, you know, I was checking out your Twitter and stuff like that. And I saw some pictures from a while back of, you know, you with, you know, younger fans taking pictures oh, and stuff. Wow. I mean, that's oh. got to be a nice little feeling, though, you know, that you're almost, you know, these kids are looking up to you in a way. Which was rare. That's the sad part because um, I did a lot of kid shows my first like three years or so, three, four years wrestling. And then PCW was like my main focus when I became the champion there. And there was more drama at that time of working at other companies. Mm -hmm. So um, we didn't do that many kid shows, unfortunately. But when we did, luckily, the yeah, there was a lot of um, younger fans that seemed to like seeing me wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> You, you took your break, and I know at the end of 2019, you made a return to PCW, uh, teaming with Jason Geiger. Yes. How was it getting back into the ring, stepping in there with him? Uh, it was interesting. Uh, my break was nice. I did, I did do come back to do like small things, like be ringside for the Gentleman's Club mm -hmm. and just hang out backstage. Um, but the in-ring was impromptu i just got messages like hey what do you think of this idea and i remember at that time i was happy outside of the ring but uh i i told andrew and everybody else that like if the right opportunity and storylines and stuff come i'll take it like i'm down if it's something i enjoy mm -hmm. and one of them was working with jason because i've seen him work before he's a legit badass he's mm -hmm. a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt he's got crazy experience the dude's in god tier shape he's <laughs> just a ball of muscle so um it's like teaming up with jason uh i already had ideas like just chilling in my mind about it i was like yeah i'm the striker he's the grappler like that's the story in itself and mm -hmm. like i was thinking of like a like a protege type of storyline where i'm learning to be a better submission specialist to round well round myself and that's why i align myself with him and he aligns with me because i'm the perfect like hitman to send out and like we also have the pseudo relationship of like he's he's buddies with kenny and i was in the stable with kenny so it was like i thought it made sense yeah um so i came back and we did like our tag which was like a fun match and the storyline leading was jason going for that pcw title and i was kind of like just his hitman backup and i dug it because i didn't have to do as much and i could mm -hmm. wrestle every so often which is what i'd like at that time mm -hmm. um but unfortunately, you know, the pandemic and um, changes, changing of plans ended that one fast as well, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, that was end of 2019, 2020 hits, you know, it's business as usual for the first two months. And then we're, we're still in the midst of the pandemic. For yourself, how, how did you go about dealing with everything? I was good. I found a good balance because Honestly, when I was younger, I was too obsessed with wrestling. Even when I started wrestling, too obsessed. I needed to be perfect at everything. Like the problem, my my mentality was 
Like I wouldn't compare to me being better. I wouldn't compare to just other guys that are good. I'd only compare myself to top guys. I'd be like, I have to be as good as Kenny. I have to be as good as AJ. And I have to be good at talking and my physique and how I present myself and my designs. And it's too obsessed, which led to the burnout combined with like the, the negativity and stuff. But uh, when the pandemic hit, I just, I'm more mature at this point and I was able to explore things outside of wrestling more at that mm -hmm. time and uh, mend some relationships with my family and just build other things, which uh, I feel like when I was wrestling, I wasn't able to do because I was so obsessed with it. I, I didn't allow myself to venture too much outside of my other interests because if I was going to be wrestling, I had to be the best I could be. So mm -hmm. even if I wasn't doing shows every week, uh, multiple times, I'm, I'm working out, I'm watching every YouTube video I could find. I'm listening to every wrestling podcast to learn and how to adapt. Every night I'd be stretching for a few hours. I'd be, um, my training schedule was like, I got to work on my athleticism. I got to work on my striking. Um, just, I'd, I need to talk to myself in a mirror. You know, I'd record myself talking and just watch it back. I'd just like, everything has to be for the greater good of wrestling. I have to grow my hair out so that if, if they want it short, I could cut it. If mm -hmm. it was short, then I can't just grow it right away. I just, it was all these little things. And finally stepping away, I was like, I took a breather and got to appreciate all the, the little things I enjoyed as well. Like um, I really enjoy the aspect of wrestling training because of the, my storm training base. I feel like a lot of my beliefs in pro wrestling is based off of a bit of science and like the psychology of why things work mm -hmm. and Lance taught it really well. And it was something that kind of sat with me the entire time. So before the pandemic started in 2019, Jay and I were starting to do some pro wrestling training and we had come up with like pretty good plans. I was, I was we we're starting to make more videos about it and uh, starting to schedule some ring time and talking about being more semi-regular. And I was brushing up as much as I could on like, my my training i have like notes of like uh what i learned my first weeks and uh how to teach things and i'd go through videos in slow motion of like people's movements in the ring mm -hmm. and i was really stoked of like all right let's get some training done because um i feel more rewarding to to help guys and train in the ring than actually doing the match itself mm -hmm. um so we did like one in person for a few hours which went pretty well and uh Everyone seemed like, oh, yeah, we'll come back and do some more. And I was like, sweet, because like I actually have like a rubric of stuff lined up <laughs> that I was stoked to do. Mm -hmm. And um, and then, yeah, the pandemic started. It was like, uh, it's not happening. And the first half year, I think we were putting videos on like a little group chat of like, all right, do this to, to train your neck better. Do this if you want to learn how to kick out better and sell better. Yeah. And then it just got dreading of like, I like making these videos, but the problem is you could also watch YouTube and find somebody else doing it. So there's no point in me just grinding this out on my side time and, and like have like five to 10 people watch it. Yeah. It's, it's different if you can do show in person and have that connection there, but with, you know, videos and everyone's got everything going on and it's not really the same in that way. Yeah. I, I love the aspect of like, training in a ring and working with people. I think uh, my personal training background, my theater background and Lance training, it's, it's one of those things that like blossomed that I think is probably one of the most rewarding things that I can do mm -hmm. and offer uniquely that only I can. And mm -hmm. if there's training opportunities out there, 
I like to do it. I, I like to work with guys that are enthusiastic and positive mind. Um, but outside of that, during the break, um, I went back to school around 2019, 2018, mm-hmm. 2019, um, at the University of Manitoba for like um, kinesiology. Okay. And it kind of went hand in hand and I was interested in the science because at that point I was spending a lot of time listening to science podcasts, uh, physiology podcasts, and just exercise science and neuroscience was like my favorite thing at that point and reading books. So I went in and then it didn't take long before I realized that it's, it's not like it's not built properly. The, the university system was like you hear stories of how flawed it was and mm-hmm. I'd experienced it for my first few years. But like <laughs> there's these there's teachers that don't do what they preach and then students that don't listen and then you're being tested on your memory retention instead of the actuality of it yeah. and it, it irked me and then the pandemic started and it was just even more clear because now you have these instructors on a camera you know the that don't take care of themselves just reading off a script and i'm like guys i could teach this better than you can <laughs> but um so i i dropped it i was just i realized like it's this is uh, it's not only not for me, but the system right now, it's, it's, it's a little fraudulent. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan. So it took some time after that to reassess. So I was just working um, and all my off time was learning. I really enjoy like self-help and self-improvement stuff and just doing like learning skills. And I spent a lot of time doing that, but I didn't know my direction anymore because I was also primed for my ring in ring return, right? Because mm-hmm. at the end of 2019, I was ready to have like a good run. Actually, yeah. I, I felt like 2020 or 2020. Yeah. 2020, 2021 was like prime years for me. Cause at that point I was coming up with like new logos and um, new moves and, and characters ideas that I can work with. And at that point I've saved some money up. So I was like, all right, some travel I can do this time around that I didn't have the opportunity before. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's like, all right, well, the plans changed there. And then the university aspect is not, I'm not happy with like, And it was so bad that like, um, I had literally a professor in sports psychology. I asked him a bunch of questions once and he was like, you're asking questions a fourth year or a grad student or should be asking. And this is like my first or second year. And I was like, well, I thank you for the compliment, but what can we do about that? Like, yeah, the, like what, seriously, I'm like, what can we do? Like, uh, are you telling me to grind out two, three more years of like kind of BS because like I'm, you're teaching me things that I already know and are a bit dated because there's new evidence. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, you kind of have to. And I was like, that's really strange of you to say, like, don't like imagine in the past, someone has the idea for like, um, you know, a new invention or something. You're just like, well, no, you got to wait. You got to grind out these few years doing multiple choice questions under something that you won't need to do. So it, it left a bad taste in my mouth there. Yeah. Instead of, you know, cutting right to it, it's no, no, we have to do all of this legwork first. That isn't necessary. Then we'll get to that later. Yeah, can you imagine if the Wright brothers, like creating the airplane stuff, they're like, oh, you have this great idea, but wait, you need five years to learn how a wheel was invented by somebody else way before, and then you have to memorize that, and then maybe you could start your dream later. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I, at that point, I wasn't there for that. Uh, 
So dropping it uh, was really hard because I already spent the money and uh, I had no direction at that point because the wrestling wasn't going to, wasn't going to happen anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I was, I was doing a little streaming at that point, but nothing serious. I was just like, whenever I had time to play a game, I was like, I may as well stream it if I'm going to playing a game. And that was basically it for that. Um, but I was also like really enjoying graphic design and um, I, I started learning Chinese more like mm -hmm. Mandarin specifically because I could speak Cantonese, but my Mandarin's not very good. So I was like, let's learn some Mandarin. Um, I did that at, at the start of the break and yeah, I just work family business, kept me busy as well. Mm -hmm. and relationships stuff. Well, I know you're someone who is, you know, you're in fantastic shape, if you don't mind me saying. Thank um, you. When did you first get involved with, you know, working out and the, you know, the gym life sort of thing, more physical fitness and all of that? Really young because uh, my parents worked all day. So they, they'd rather me go somewhere and do something mm -hmm. um, rather than not. So um, I think I was like, 10 or so when they sent me to taekwondo class mm -hmm. and uh yeah i stuck there for a few years i got my black belts and it was like my extracurricular thing but um at that same time is when i got like the ymca membership and like they just kind of dropped me and like my cousins off there and no one really taught us how to do anything but like because i was a wrestling fan and i'd watch stuff on tv like i kind of figured some stuff out so i was like probably 12 i'd start going in the gym area and like hey look there's a chest press let's put as much weight as i can and do a few <laughs> reps and uh the cardio thing i remember because i was so motivated and inspired by wrestlers i thought i'd i need like god tier levels of uh <laughs> like fitness so i would do like one hour cardio sessions just running on the treadmill uh, just killing myself. Uh, <laughs> I got in pretty young. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause I know even like when, you know, I, when I was younger, I, I was overweight myself and you start getting involved in, you know, okay, I'm going to try to get in better shape. And I was like, okay, well I've got, I've got to run. And then I was running for like two hours a day. And I'm like, oh, man. this is that, this is not how you do it. You know, <laughs> this is not efficient, <laughs> not at all. And I mean, you, obviously you see the weight loss and everything, but then with other aspects, you know, not eating properly, you know, cutting too much out and like yeah. you lose all the weight and it's all counterproductive. So, so um, with running like that, <laughs> uh, do you look back though and go like, wow, I'm glad I pushed myself because now it's easy. <laughs> you know what? That was about um, 15 years ago. I, I decided I wanted to get into better shape. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start going to the gym. And then I would run in the basement of the U of M, the gritty grotto there. I would just run laps and I'd be nice. there, you know, for an hour, hour and a half, just going. And it was nice. like, you know, it was great, you know, seeing the results and knowing I could do it, but I wish I would have known how to do it properly. That's fair. Cause I'm someone who, you know, it's, you don't hear about it often, but I have had, like eating problems, you know, thinking, cutting out too much stuff and doing it not properly. So I think that it's, you see the number on the scale decrease and you're like, this is awesome. You have to keep it up, but you push yourself too hard because uh, almost the mental aspect of it. Yeah. Just burn out there. Yeah. And so, I, there's way more information now than there was 15 years ago about it. It was a lot yeah. harder back then. And so, you're like, I'm, don't want to spend like hundreds on a trainer that you're not sure is going to do anything. Mm -hmm. 
So it's, I think a big thing about it is just, and even with trainers is focusing, you can show them how to do stuff, how to do it, but you also have to be there for them psychologically as well, because I think that there's, there's too much, uh, there's a lot of risk with that. Absolutely. You got to put in as much as like everything you got to put in as much work as they're going to give you. And hopefully Mm -hmm. it's a great trainer. That's along with you with the entire mm-hmm. journey, but psychologically you have to be there. Yeah. Or it's not going to work. No. And I think that's a big thing that nowadays it's still, I don't know. Like I have, I had a trainer a few years back. I had hired one doing, you know, counting macros and all that. And they did, it was a really great job, but even then the psychological aspect still wasn't there. So you're seeing that number decrease. And it's like, okay, I got to do more because you're seeing that. So. Yeah. You know, when I, I did personal training for a few years and I really enjoyed it at first, but after a while, I realized that about it. Like, it's not so much about the science of like, do these things to get X result. It's more about the psychological motivation to do those things and why you want to do them. Mm -hmm. And that's not something you can easily talk to someone about unless you, unless they let you, unless they're willing to be at that point in their life for that change and that growth. And uh, it was it was dreading because 90% of the people as a trainer you're going to get are like, Hey, here's a picture of someone's ass. I want, or, Hey, this guy has big arms. I want this. How do I get it? And you're like, all right, are you ready for this journey to get there? And like, mm-hmm. not really. I want to do the thing. So I get the result. And you know, you train them for a bit, then they kind of give up usually, or they don't reach that point where they're like, they've evolved their mindsets to what it actually takes to be there. Like, you can't just want that for an aesthetic. You have to know what responsibility comes with that. Like it's like brush, like having white teeth. Like you got to brush every day to have nice teeth. You can't just brush one day for five hours and have white teeth. (laughs) You can't just work one day and make enough money for the rest of your life. You have to consistently grind it out. And that's especially true for fitness. That's how Mm -hmm. a body works. Jackie, I got a few more for you, then I'll let you go so you can enjoy the rest of your weekend. Oh, for sure, Dave. You can go as long as you want, man. Um, I got to <laughs> ask, I mean, you know, you were you were primed to, you know, come back into wrestling in 2020 when the pandemic hits. Are we going to see you back in the ring? That's a good question. Um, Fair warning, a... this will air, at, just in case, not that I'm insinuating anything, this will air after the upcoming PCW show. So, I mean, we... I if could it be happens. surprised if it That's happens. True. Yeah. So we got the Omicron yeah. uh, changing some rules. So I wouldn't hold my breath about no. anything changing. Um, if this is going to air after, I'll just straight say it. I am booked for the show. I am lined up to be at the show. Um, I actually, um, because I had so much notice about it, I, I moved some stuff around because like, <laughs> if you want to hear more about me, my, my family, uh, runs a restaurant business. Um, and that's like the art. It's my sibling, basically. Uh, I have to fight for attention in my family. Uh, I have a sister and my restaurant's been in business for over 30 years. So my parents have spent more time raising the restaurant than they have with me and my sister combined. And, uh, in this restaurant, we, every holiday we work, um, that's kind of our tradition. I remember, I don't remember the first like how old I was when I started working, but I remember being very young, just plucking shrimp tails, peeling onions and carrots and stuff like that. And just, just work ethic. Right. And uh, it hasn't changed every Christmas since, except for 
No, every Christmas and uh, New Year's and stuff since I'm always working with them. That's mm -hmm. like our tradition. So this year when I was told like, hey, New Year's Day, Park Theater, like it's our return show. And uh, at that point I was at, um, did a show in Lundar, I think. And I did a, like one match this year there. And we talked about the thing more. I was like, I don't know, like my family usually needs me that day. Um, I'm not really dispensable. Like I do everything and it's, it's not something you could just teach to someone, certainly not overnight or yeah. over a span of like a few months. So like, honestly, I don't know. Cause especially now, like people don't want to work now. They want to sit at home and get a check. And especially nowadays in the workforce, I feel like it's good to be a worker because you're more entitled than you've ever been. Like if you have feeling an off day mentally, you can just say it and not show up and you're kind of in the right. Um, mm -hmm. I was raised where it's like, oh, you're sick and you don't feel like it, show your ass up to work and work your ass off. So like, I don't, I'm not saying that that's the right way to do things. 100% I'm not saying that, but mm -hmm. um, there are some standards I feel like I have to meet with my family and expectations that are a bit ingrained that I fight against, but I feel the responsibility to. Certainly now when they're older and they're still trying to grind it out, I feel responsible in making sure that like what they love to do, which is apparently work, that I can alleviate some of that, the hard parts of it for them. So New Year's Day um, is usually a very busy day at work uh, for their restaurant. Um, there's usually reservations all night for dine-in and takeout and um, PCW shows at night as well. So it's, I think it's like seven or eight. So um, I had to give some notice and be like, hey guys, if the reservations are not too bad, like, can I, can I leave at like six or seven, you know, <laughs> like, can we be good here? And um, yeah, luckily they, they said it should be all right. And um, since then I was like, all right, if that's going to happen, um, get my ducks together for this. Uh, I mean, one thing that I truly stand upon is being ready all the time. That's, that's one thing that maybe we briefly touched upon, but I always believe like, I don't just like want to play a character when I'm wrestling. I believe in being that person. That's one of the reasons why I've talked about like Kenny being uh, such a big influence on me. Guys like a Kenny or a John Cena, like good guys that like in and out of the ring, you don't catch them being, you know, a neg negative role model. And they, they live up to it every day. Like they're not just pretending to be X person they're they're grinding every day putting putting the work in and I believe that ethic so for me I've stayed in shape this entire time I didn't let the pandemic make me out of shape I was like I I'm motivated for me intrinsically mm -hmm. and I've stayed on top of it so I want to be ready for the ring anytime if I get the call to do anything that feels like it's a good opportunity I'm ready I'm 365 days a year I'm not gonna phone it up you know that's mm -hmm. my belief and that's how I hold myself so with, with New Year's Day coming, um, I've, I've stayed in shape and I've stayed aesthetically in shape, I'd like to think. And mentally, I'm in the best place I've ever been. So it was a no-brainer to me if I can get the time off. And with that, I've, I've also had like that touch-up match at Lundar to see where mm -hmm. I was at. And I was like kind of overselling it a bit. I'm like, oh man, I'm blown up. But it was more like okay, I haven't taken a bump in two years. So yeah, my back kind of hurts the next day yeah. a lot. <laughs> it was more of that. Okay. And now lastly, I know, you, I mean, you are a fan of wrestling as well. Uh, I'm not sure how much you still watch regularly if you do. Um, not as much as I have overall. I used to watch 
as much as I could all the time. And that's another thing about uh, when I was too obsessed with it. But yeah. nowadays, I think access is weird because the WWE network's super strange in Canada and AEW is kind of hard. Like I don't have regular TV, so it's kind of hard to watch. So uh, unfortunately, I mostly have to go through highlights and I'll try, I, I order pay-per-views like AEW, I order most of the pay-per-views. I, I like to support like... It feels like family, you know, as a wrestler, even if you've never met these guys, because you know how the lifestyle is and you kind of know people they know, or like in my case, I do know Kenny, like it feels like you're supporting your, your people. Yeah. So I, I will definitely order them legit and uh, <laughs> support them, uh, you know, and I'll watch highlights of as much as I can that I'm interested in. I won't overdo it because there's not too much wrestling because that's just the nature of things but there's a lot of wrestling out there. Yeah. Do you have any matches this year that uh, you would say really stood out to you? It's cliche to say, but definitely the Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega on free so, TV. So good. So good. And I'm sure the hangman Brian match, which I have yet to see, unfortunately, mm -hmm. but uh, apparently that that's an absolute banger. So I'm excited to watch that mm -hmm. fully one hour um, matches. Outside of that, uh, that's a good question. I didn't even think of that. That top of my head would be that one because yeah. it was more recent. Um, overall, there's been a lot of good matches, especially during the pandemic, because I think a lot of workers were able to kind of touch upon the art form more than play to a crowd, which mm -hmm. like, it's not that one is better than the other, but finding your footing and in, in both fields and like you as a performer a lot of guys have stepped up because they had that chance to be themselves without someone judging them without a crowd judging them mm -hmm. right i don't think if if that happened roman reigns would be as you know as confident as he is now no mm -hmm. offense at all it's just like you're able to play the character you believe you are long enough that people buy it and this day and age people shed on you right before you have a chance to do anything, unfortunately. So mm -hmm. a lot of people were able to blossom and uh, promos have stepped up like crazy. I mean, um, I did the Hell in a Cell match this year between Edge and Seth Rollins was really good as well. Mm -hmm. I remember that was a good storytelling match. Yeah. It's something that I think is definitely, uh, you know, it doesn't get enough spoken about is how, you know, with WWE, they were allowed to, you know, with someone like Roman Reigns, they could have him go out there and because it's just a, a wall of video screens. So they can have him go out there and be who he wants and believe it yeah. and then get the crowd behind. Absolutely. He's, he's built for Hollywood. Like mm -hmm. he knows what he wants after and what he is right now. And he's doing it. And uh, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be, you look back and you appreciate him and you wish you'd appreciate him more when he was doing his thing. It's, it's just classic. I, I kind of feel that way with Cena a little bit because I kind yeah. of took a break uh, with wrestling and I got back into it like 2011 uh, around the pipe bomb. So there was a lot of stuff I didn't see. And then, you know, you're like, you're watching, you're like, okay, why is Cena, you know, always front and center. And then you start watching more and you're like, okay, I really like this guy. He's very entertaining in the ring. He, he just his overall appeal, like it is there. And you hear people rag on him and you're like no you guys are missing it because he is he's the deal here that's that's one thing about wrestling that's really cool is like because of how all-encompassing it is there's wrestling fans that are so diehard that they're 
their belief of what good wrestling is in a box is, is very much in a box. So they don't appreciate those things until they mature as a person and they see it for what it is and always has been. But like you just haven't opened your mind enough to it. You have like a taste and you you go so much into that taste that you can't appreciate the other tastes out there. Like, you know, you're a sushi aficionado, but you haven't had a nice pizza yet. And with a guy like John Cena, especially when he's doing the same thing a lot of the time, it's because that's what the crowd wanted. And looking back, you could actually see it very clearly for what it was. But when you're living it there, all, more people have enjoyment of bitching and complaining about it yeah. uh, instead of like appreciating it for what it was at that time. Because you're never going to get a superhero like that for 10 years at that level, um, not say a negative thing, um, do as many make wishes as he can mm-hmm. and deliver. And, you know, that if you think about being in his shoes mentally where you'd be at, you'd be in the gutter that oh, would yeah. be so hard to maintain but he did it with a smile and he's still doing it mm-hmm. kind of to this day in his own way so you appreciate things differently i think as you mature individually as a person because mm-hmm. you can give me you know a kenny omega and okada match and i will be just as stoked to watch that as if cena makes his return and he's going to face off with you know roman reigns or whoever i'm i'll be excited yeah. just as much so every everyone's different for their taste and like there's things though that transcend, like you mentioned, those, those two examples alone are like things you can probably give to any wrestling fan and they'll still have something that yeah. they'll like now. <laughs> yeah. It's very just uh, like a broad stroke, but it, it works. Yeah. Uh, so what's, what's your, um, what's your favorite match this year? Oh, or I, I, have, stood out? I have a list. I'll, I'll punch it up because I'm oh, one, nice. I'm one of those nerds who uh, makes a list of everything. So That's cool. um, I, I also, Missed to mention, I think it was Serena Deeb versus Hikaru Shida this year. I want to say there was even it wasn't even like a main show match, but it was so good. Like mm-hmm. Serena is so good. Um, just a lot of people have been firing like crazy. I just my memory is not as like as clean as it used to be, but there's been a lot of good wrestling period mm-hmm. this year. Because I know they they faced off. Um, they just had a, their most recent match on Wednesday, and I think all three matches have just been fantastic. And to see someone like Serena Deeb, who was cast cast aside by WWE to find a home wrestling in AEW and with NWA and really stepping into her own, it's a huge credit to her. Uh, for sure. She's reinvented herself. And like, like WWE and AEW are two different companies. Like mm-hmm. you can love both. If you don't like one, just don't watch. It's fine. Exactly. And like, if you're not built to be in Marvel, maybe there's something at DC, you know, a different yeah. movie. And she's a phenomenal professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. And AEW is a professional wrestling company. Mm-hmm. And WWE's a great entertainment company. Yeah. So that, that produced some good wrestling matches and stuff. Mm-hmm. But she's able to shine at AEW. And AEW knows their fan base. They're, mm-hmm. they're doing great professional wrestling. So I've got I've got a couple that I'll list off for favorites. Yeah, let me know. We're we're backtracking. We're going in reverse. But um, from stardom, Suri versus uh, Momo Watanabe uh, Ooh, cool. was just a fantastic match. Uh, I've gotten more into stardom this past year because there's just some incredible uh, wrestlers there. That's uh, awesome. Uh, Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson from Dynamite. Uh, the Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks from All Out. Oh yeah, that was. The cage Deadly. match, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, 
Daniel Garcia and Wheeler Utah from uh, IWTV, the Live 100 special. It was just a, a, an hour-long match. It was fantastic. Killer. And uh, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus the Young Bucks from Double or Nothing. I really like mm. that match. Uh, to me, a match where if I'm watching and I'm getting goosebumps, it, it really says something about the match. It might not be the best, you know, technical or best, you know, work match, but if it, the crowd can get into it and the wrestlers, if you're, you know, having me smiling while I'm watching the match, they're doing something right. Yeah, for sure. That's not about the star ratings. No. So it's, it's just certainly a, not. It's about having fun and enjoying it. There's been a lot of good tag matches. I totally forgot, but like uh, the revival versus the Bucks this year was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the cage match, God, that was deadly. And uh, my God, I watched Moxley versus Cage. Oh my, God. it was probably the most violent match I've ever seen. Well, the even with that cage match, the Lucha Bros and Young Bucks. I mean, you're watching and you're just seeing the Young Bucks almost having their way with them halfway through, and then it was almost like a light switch, and the crowd instantly like rose and got behind the Lucha Bros, and you see them take it to the next level, and it's just like you're like, wow, this is this is something special. Some emotion. Yeah, it was really good. Time. So now, Jackie. Where can everyone find you if uh, you want to plug anything? Oh, closing up here? <laughs> We're going to wrap it up right away. Oh, all good. Um, right now, I feel like all my social media is kind of like in, in between. Like I plan to revamp, like clean them up a bit because I'm not on that frequently. Um, and I've been grinding out. So I guess I'll t- tell everybody what I've, I have been up to before yes, I say anything. Please. But like um, your boy here has been in Red River College Polytech, because I said University of Manitoba has let me down. So I gladly <laughs> made the shift to Red River where I, I didn't realize, but they have a digital media design program that is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got in this year after grinding out a portfolio that that got me in. And it's been phenomenal. Just like my favorite educational experience since storm training basically mm-hmm. and just all the new stuff i'm learning that i never thought i can ha- actually do has been amazing so i'm like doing like 3d art i'm doing some web design now and uh just able to touch up my photoshop skills and graphic design and i've never been able to touch 3d um programs before ever and now that i'm touching them i'm kind of like wow, the potential is insane because I'm able to like create something straight off my mind. That's, that's mind blowing to me as like a creative. Um, so I've been doing all these things and which kind of go hand in hand with um, digital media. So we're talking mm-hmm. about social media here and also want to get back into my streaming. So um, with that, what I've been doing is slowly posting a little more on one of my side pages on Instagram. It's currently under Jackie Jetstream, which might change the name. So if you follow me on Jackie the Jet Lee on all, everything, I think it's under Jackie the Jet Lee. Uh, you'll see where it changes because I'll link between everything. But I'm starting to like post some of my work on my side Instagram page that I, I really like doing on my side. And like... I haven't been talking too much wrestling on Twitter more so because like you mentioned, it's a a kind of a negative place and there's no point of, in my opinion, to perpetuate, like there's a lot of people that don't want their minds changed. They just Mm -hmm. want to shout their opinion out and bringing light to it. There's no positive that comes out of it. It's a bit of an echo chamber. So, um, but I also realize if there isn't people just saying nice stuff, then it's, 
they're not also helping as well. So I've been trying to like post a little more and um, just be authentically more me and um, mm-hmm. not play to any niche. And yeah, you can find me all at Jackie the Jet Lee. Thank you so much to Jackie for joining me on the Grade Maker Wrestling Podcast. I honestly, I had a blast with him joining me on it. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, it was just just hearing everything he had to say. It was really, really awesome. So thank you so much to him. Thank you for joining me and listening to podcast, checking it out week in and week out. Honestly, it truly means so much to me that you take time out of your day to listen to me talk about wrestling. So thank you so much for that. Now, if you're first time listening, maybe, you know, you're just getting into the social media game. You can find me up on Twitter at GrainMakerPod. Shoot me a follow on there. Let's talk wrestling. Let's, you know, just shoot the shit about what we all love, and that's professional wrestling. Email GrainMakerPodcast at gmail.com. You know, questions, comments, concerns, you can send them that way. If there's a guest that you would like me to have on the show, let me know. Send me an email. I'll do my best to get them on. Up on Facebook, GrainMaker Wrestling Podcast. And uh, up on all podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. If you could rate and review up on there, that would be great and I'd appreciate it. So thank you again for joining me. It was a blast. We'll talk soon.